ladies and gentlemen! Welcome to the Dr. Script Show, where we talk about your favorite movies, what was good, what was bad, and how to improve on them. We don't talk about the problems, we give solutions to the problems. I do want to ask, you said your favorite movies. I want to meet the soul whose favorite movie is Star Wars Attack of the Clones. I feel like they might have a troubled childhood at the very least. But I am... Graciously welcomed by my great co-host, Dr. Sam! Oh, it's great to be here. But yeah, if someone's favorite movie is uh, Star Wars Attack of the Clones, uh, maybe maybe the doctor script isn't the doctor you need to see. I <laughs> uh, should go talk to uh, a therapist-type doctor. Yes, that uh, I would feel bad for anyone that this is their favorite movie, because... This was a doozy. This was a doozy. Well, what did you think of the movie? Just overall, uh, overall first, and then in relation to our Star Wars month, just going right after Episode One. I would say this was definitely a drag until the third act. Like this was so boring, it was mm-hmm. ridiculous. I was snoring until basically Mace Windu came out and ignites his lightsaber next to um, Bobo Jack or uh, Bobo Fett. Mm-hmm. No, Jango Fett. Sorry, <laughs> and then I started perking up. But yeah, because the thing with like Phantom Menace, at least it's like a little bit boring, and then the stuff that's bad is somewhat entertainingly bad, or like Jar Jar bad, where it's like, oh my god, this is embarrassing. But like, this is bad and boring at the same time until you hit like the Colosseum, mm-hmm. basically, or I don't, I don't know if it's called the Colosseum, but like the big pit battle with all the Jedi, because that's that's what you want to see in an old and like a Republic Star Wars movie is. Ye- a bunch yeah. of Jedi fighting. No, that was that's so badass. And honestly, that like redeems the film a bit. But like with Phantom Menace, like there's problems there just of how, you know, bad it is, like what you're saying with Jar Jar and stuff, and it's easy to fix this stuff. But with this one, it's just a slog where there's nothing really redeeming about it until the end. And it <sighs> the worst part for me is this is actually the first uh, Star Wars movie I saw in full. Oh yeah. So I, because I, I saw the Phantom Menace on TV with my dad, and like it was the second. Like we said last time, like I saw the second half. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I saw the rest of it on TV, and I was like, sure, this is fine. And then after that, my dad's like, oh, let's go see. The second one's coming out soon. I'm like, sure, we'll go see that. And I watched it, and as a kid, I remember thinking like, I don't remember anything that happens in this movie until later on, and like I, I hadn't had a, formed a concept of like bad movies at that point. So it's just like, oh sure, I remember. Uh, you know, he gets angry, kills a bunch of sand people, and then there's a big Colosseum fight, and Yoda flips around. That's what I had as a kid, and that's honestly kind of what I have as an adult. Yeah, no, and I remember that, and just, like, Count Dooku's lightsaber was a little curved. And <laughs> I mean, there's pills for that. He's old. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, but, yeah, this was a drag. I, you know, we haven't come out with our full Star Wars list yet, but I'm pretty sure this will be at the bottom behind or ahead of one other film. Uh, maybe for one of us. <laughs> this film probably is at the bottom of my list. Spoilers for when... When are we going to talk about our full list? Are we going to do it at the end of the month? Yeah, I think we'll talk about that at the end of the month. Actually, yeah, I think at the, the very last movie is the best time <laughs> for you to unveil your list and for me to unveil my list. Yes. All right, well, should we just dig into this bad boy, let's summarize just, this thing? Let's just cut it open. Well, not cut it open yet, sorry. Uh, let's uh, diagnose this first and then cut it open. Yeah, so let's check out these symptoms. Tell me what this movie's about, Taylor. Uh, what, what, it, what it's about or how we open? Uh, we open on an opening crawl. <laughs> the titles, if you will. 
how most Star Wars movies open. Yes, and um, I don't remember what the opening crawl said. I think they just mostly say that the tensions are high now with the Federation and the Republic. And then we cut to this ship landing on uh, Coruscant, I believe. And then it just explodes out of nowhere. Bodies flying everywhere. And Natalie Portman, uh, who is now not the queen, but the senator. How does that work? I thought it would, How is it a democracy if I, there's a queen? Yeah, so wait, this person got elected as a 14, 15 year old, right? To be a queen. And then she said, nah, I want to be a senator. Well, 10 years later, this movie is 10 years later, so she's like, her early 20s, she's decided that she's going to go into politics. Yeah, it's just a. I do get it, though, like. In the context of the movie, like, she saw as a queen how uh, the Republic is run. And so she's, you know, in that way, she's like, I want to change things. So she's, you know, idealistic. She's a real Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez <laughs> jumping into the political specter at a, sector at a young age. Uh, Good one. Good one. I, I hope she gets elected so that this reference isn't dated very quickly. <laughs> but yes, I, it does make sense, but it's still, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. It makes sense character-wise, it doesn't make sense. Story-wise. Right. And so, basically, the whole ship explodes. Matt Natalie Portman goes up to a very tired-looking Kira Knightley. <laughs> I believe it's Kira Knightley, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Kira Knightley was in the last one because she, she was the body double. Right. And Kira Knightley is also the body double in this because they're uh, trying to... She's going to, like, sacrifice herself so that Padme can... Uh, they can find out who's trying to assassinate her, I think. Oh, I thought it was just, like, a random assassination attempt. You know how those are, random assassination yeah, attempts. Yeah, you know, yeah. we've all been there, man. My first one was in fifth grade, and that's like, woof. Ooh, what were they trying to get you for? Uh, dude, too much. Probably too podcasting much. about films. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was selling underground tech deck dudes. <laughs> it's a real business, my friends in middle school, that we're doing. Anyway. Oh, what? Sam, we need to hear about your backstory, man. I have a tragic backstory, don't worry. <laughs> we'll make a whole three-part prequel series about it. Can we do a... a podcast of like serialized where it's like you're gonna have that like or like serial where you're gonna have that calm voice where it's like hey what happened to sam when he was a child this is what we're resorting to to avoid talking about star wars Attack yeah of uh, usually we start diverting <laughs> after like an hour this is like the first so seven minutes her ship gets attacked kira knightley gets attacked instead of padme yes and so she dies and it's like oh no and it becomes a huge thing uh, now we go to the Senate where, or not the Senate, we go with Palpatine and the other Jedis talking and they're like, whoa, this, uh, there was an attack on our Padme, we should do something about it. And then Yoda's like, yeah, we should, we should, uh, get that Obi-Wan and Anakin onto it. They're the only two Jedi we have, so <laughs> I guess they're in charge of this plot. So they send Obi-Wan and a much, uh, grown-up Anakin up to take care of Padme mm -hmm. and her people. And they are on the elevator, and they look very bored. They look very bored. They, uh, that's a very big theme in this movie, uh, which, <laughs> at some point, uh, Anakin, like, says, you know, like, ten years later, she's still treating me like that same small child. And if you're gonna do what you're about to do later on in this movie, don't remind us of the fact <laughs> that you were, like, ten when she was supposed to be fourteen, and you're supposed to have a love connection. Yeah, no, it definitely... Yeah. Again, those things are fine, because in the context of the movie, they're only four years apart. But, in reality, she was 18, and that kid was eight. Mm. It's a little weirder. Yep. 
anyway. They go up to the same level as Padme. We get our good friend Jar Jar back in the mix. And he's upgraded from being a general to being a senator now. (laughs) So both Padme and Jar Jar got promoted to senator. Yes, in this backwards, you know, it's no real, you know, head scratcher how the Sith took over this <laughs> republic. Yes. Um, so, yes, Padme and Anakin have some back and forth, and Anakin's trying to be all, like, flirty, but he's coming off more, like, serial killer-esque, really. Some people are into that stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean, if we look down the line, this Anakin guy, he is sort of a serial killer, so maybe that's what George Lucas was going for. Yep. Hey, has George gotten his Diet Coke yet? Um, no, I've uh, been sitting here for hours, days, a week even, and no Diet Coke for me. Oh, I'll just drink this simple, regular Coke. Oh no, George, the calories! That's okay. I, uh, sold Lucasfilm for $4 billion. <laughs> I can afford a couple calories. Oh man, you, we really don't want to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, so, do you just want to skip to the second assassination attempt? Yes, yeah, so, so okay. there's this, uh, yeah, second assassination attempt happens, uh, Django tells this other woman to go do a job that he was hired to do, mm-hmm. and she, they fail, they send, like, these little warm creatures up there, which, uh, they were pretty gross, looking back on it. Yeah, but they basically break in, try to kill her. And uh, Obi Wan and Anakin make chase after the 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 thing, which is like a shape shifting kind of thing uh, that we don't fully get explained. But yeah, it's it's actually a decent chase through uh, through the Republic. Yeah, I I wrote that in my notes. Like this chase isn't boring, but it isn't super exciting because everyone's taking it so casual. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Obi Wan falls down, <laughs> like free falls down into this you know traffic of flying cars, and yeah. he lands into the Anakin's car, and he's just like, oh, what took you so long? And I'm like, what? These, these guys clearly were like, man, Phantom Menace well, took a toll on us. Yeah. We're, uh, <laughs> we're just gonna be, we're definitely in front of a green screen today. Ugh. But yeah, they chase down the, the, the assassin. Yes, and they go to killer. a bar. Well, yeah, I wanna, I wanna talk about some death sticks, though. You oh, know? Ooh. Ooh, <laughs> you wanna buy some death sticks? <laughs> I'm down to try some Death Six, man. This is honestly one of my favorite jokes in any movie. <laughs> like, not because it's good, but just because it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I want to go up to some guy in Vegas and ask if he wants some Death Six. So basically, some guy tries to sell uh, Obi-Wan cigarettes, essentially, and says, you want to buy some Death Sticks? And he's like, and then Obi-Wan's like, you do not want to sell me Death Sticks. And the guy's like, I don't want to sell you Death Sticks. You, if you couldn't tell, because this is a podcast, I used my hand to wave in front of him. Uh, he does like the same magic that Qui Gon did, which, again, if you think about it in context, that's actually a really cute callback to like he learned a lesson from his master, and he's a, he's grown a lot. Out of context, it's silly that he says you you don't want to sell me death sticks. He's like I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life, and he's like I want to go home and rethink my life, <laughs> which is inherently so incredible. Yes. Um, uh, I think George Lucas was somewhere between campy and gritty, and he didn't know what to do. He should have just gone with campy. True. Uh, anyway, so then they go, uh, they t- take care of the bounty hunter, they bring her outside, and then she gets shot in the neck with a dart, and they see this bounty hunter go up, and it's Django Fett, you know. Um, they're like, damn, our person died. So now the Jedi Council decides that Anakin should take care of Padme and return her to Naboo until they figure out everything that's happened. Obi-Wan decides to go and do some 
research on what this weapon is that killed the bounty hunter. He goes to a diner, like a 50s diner with aliens, to figure <laughs> out what this little weapon is about. He doesn't go to the library first. Uh-huh. He goes to a 50s diner to figure that out. Like, yeah. On paper, like, I remember as a kid being like, okay, this makes sense. But re-watching that, I'm like, why Why did Obi-Wan want to go to a diner to figure this out? You know how I remember that happened is because that's a setting in the Lego Star Wars games. <laughs> where, like, when you're at the home base before you decide what level you're going at, it's like, that diner is, like, part of home base. Yeah, it's, I know exactly what you're talking thing, about. thing, but, like... Because, for some reason, the Lego Star Wars movie decided to start with the prequels. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so yeah. Uh, he goes to the one diner. The uh, alien tells him, like, oh, that's a Geonosis, right? Geonosis? I think so, yeah. Okay. We, that place. And then Obi-Wan's like, I don't know about that. And so then he goes to the library, and they like, oh, there, there's no place named Geonosis here. And he's like, oh, Okay. Geonosis sounds like Genesis, almost like the origin or beginnings of. Ooh. Whoa, crazy. It's like George Lucas has a cursory knowledge of how to cha- change words around a little bit. Wow. It's like in uh, Family Guy when Brian Griffin makes his normal, or uh, oh, his, <laughs> he uh, makes his uh, like, book and he's like, and his name is Norm Mall, because he's a normal guy. <laughs> but that will be for the scholars to figure out. <sighs> okay, yeah, so... Obi-Wan then goes to Yoda complaining about, hey, like, I looked at the library, couldn't find this one island, and then this one 50s diner guy told me about this, but it doesn't seem to be true. And then Yoda's just like, hey, guys, what do you think? Oh, so Yoda talks to the children that are there, and he's like, guys, what should Obi-Wan do? And they're like, go check to see if it's there or not. The planet. And so Obi-Wan's like, oh, that's a good idea. And he does that. Is that meant to be like a moment where it's like, the innocence of children knows what to do? Because it's not an innocence of children. You should have just fucking... Sorry. I forget if we curse on this podcast, We curse, we we? curse. (laughs) How do you fucking not decide you're going to go to the planet that you're told doesn't exist just to see if it's there? (sighs) Yeah, so he decides to go to the planet. Now we cut back to Mm. most romantic story of all time. This whole part section here is the reason the movie drags, basically. Yeah. Is that... It's the two... It's the diverted storyline. It's Anakin and Padme... Anakin tried to keep Padme safe, and the, the love story that blooms, and Obi-Wan just wandering around this very brightly lit base where he sees Jango Fett, and he sees the clone army getting made, and there are these weird, tall, long neck aliens, and, like, the only exciting thing happens at the end, and I remember as a kid not understanding oh, yeah. what, like, what was going on, and I still didn't at the end of the movie, but it's just these two storylines that take so long. And it's just uneventful. There's nothing going on besides, like, like oh, look how we're literally rolling in the grass. Like, we're in love. And, yeah, they... Yeah, uh, it's okay, just so wait, many we, scenes of Anakin and Padme, like, bonding and being in love, but they just talk about such simple, banal things that, like... I remember it was either Roger Ebert or Leonard, Leonard Malton when the, first, when the movie came out, uh-huh. and that they talked about how there's no actual love or chemistry, and they're just saying the most basic things you hear in romantic movies. Like, there's no depth to it, and there's no Star Wars lore that's a part of it. It's just generic romantic stuff that you could, you could do so much more in the Star Wars world for trying to build romance. Do you just want to hit the bullet points of what happens with Padme and Good. Anakin? You go for it. We'll get to the big thing that everyone talks about. But I want to start with the scene where Anakin and frickin' Padme are 
eating dinner, and they're about to... Force feeds. Yeah. Force feeds. (laughs) Force feeds. He uses the force (laughs) to feed her. But they were going to eat a peach with a fork and knife. What type of animal does that? (laughs) I think at some point you get too civilized. Also... No, that's something like Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia would do, because he doesn't know any better. Yeah, that would be a a joke. But this is also a movie that cost $115 million, and you can't make... Anakin lifting up a peach with the force and Padme eating it look natural. I get it's 2002. CGI is not great, but also Jurassic Park came out nine years earlier. True. You can make this so much better. Yeah. It can look so much better. That's not a story thing. That's just a me thing. Uh, so anyways, then another thing they do is they literally roll in the grass. Yep. Like, if we're, I'm going to say another thing, like, if Rick and Morty could make fun of this, like their parody, a parody of this, like that's something they would just parody right off the yes. bat. And then I guess the next big thing is uh, the sand conversation. Okay. You have a very interesting point of view of this, and I, wa- I take it ahead, take it away. I think the sand. So the line that most people say that's a meme because I'm just gonna say it in case people don't know it, but everybody knows it, is I don't like sand. It's rough. It's coarse. It's irritating, and it gets everywhere. And that, just by itself, is the silliest thing in the world. <laughs> they are trying to bond, and he, they're, I forget what they're talking about. Are they talking about, like, the beach or something? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just, like, a yeah. place that she likes, and then he's like, well, I don't like sand. Uh, it's rough, it's coarse, it's irritating, it gets everywhere. Now, that's the second stupidest line to me. <laughs> just a hair above, uh, w- that's Wizard Man. <laughs> so wizard. However... I will defend this line up to a certain point because it gives a little bit of context in that Padme is talking about something that she likes, whereas Anakin grew up in the desert, in Tatooine, where his whole life was just him being this orphan child and never able to clean, and so he always had sand on him. And he's got this thing where, like, he's just been triggered and reminded that he he doesn't like sand. He's... And that is part of what leads him to do what happens next, where he's going to go back to his home planet because he has dreams of Tatooine and that his mother's in trouble. And it's a little bit of foreshadowing. So yeah. I'll give the line credit, because I do think it gives a deeper understanding of his character because it shows that even though he left when he was a child and he's been raised by these Jedi, he's still traumatized by the events of his childhood. And as much as he tried to you know, be the positive kid that said, yippee, and like go on these adventures, he's still... He still is the same scared kid that he can never get past that eventually becomes Darth Vader. Had they written that line better, this wouldn't be as much of a joke. <laughs> Everything in these prequels is such a good concept, such a good try, but it's such a failed execution, and that's, I think the sand line is the epitome of that. I, after you saying that, I definitely agree where it's like, oh, that's right, he probably does hate sand because of Tatooine. Mm-hmm. But I didn't make that original connection, you know? But I will agree now, the worst dialogue in the Star Wars series is That's So Wizard. That's so wizard. <laughs> yeah, so there we go. I have just defended I don't like sand. I hope you all enjoyed. From there, is that when Anakin decides to go back to Tatooine? Yeah, so we'll just say he's going to go to Tatooine. But now let's just go back to Obi-Wan oh. now for a little bit. Uh, so now Obi-Wan goes to the place, um, he's greeted by this really tall alien, and she's just like, 
hey, yeah, I'm so glad you're finally here. We've been waiting for, like, years for you to come. And Obi-Wan's like, what? And she's like, oh, yeah, we've been making this clone army for you guys. And he's like, what? She's like, yeah, for uh, so-and-so. And he's like, oh, he's been dead for a while. And then they're like, oh, really? That's so strange. Anyways, we're still been making this whole army. And then this other tall alien comes out, and he's like, oh, what's up? Do you want to see the clones? And Obi-Wan's literally like, yes, because I'm here for the clones. And we just get a whole little view of all the clones, and we find out they're all clones of uh, Jango Fett. And Obi-Wan wants to meet this Jango Fett. They meet. Well, it's, it's a little tense. It's cool to see Boba Fett there, because he's uh, Jango's son. And then they leave. Obi-Wan follows him to the hangar. Where he's... But why did Jango wear his armor during this? Because? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, so that he could be identified as the bounty hunter? Not, not a great plan. No, not a great plan at all. If you know the Jedi are there to find you, why wear the one thing that he would identify you for? Not and why are you planning on fighting a Jedi? And not just any Jedi, the Jedi you tried to kill before. <laughs> great plan, great plan, guys. Yes, so whatever, they fight, Jango flies away, Obi-Wan follows him, and then we go back to Anakin, who's having a nightmare about his mom, mm-hmm. and then he decides, hey, I'm going to go to Tatooine to you know see how my mom's doing. Which, I'm still gonna go back. It's been a dick move. No one's gone back to, like, buy her out at the at ten years. Ten years, and he hasn't seen his mom. Yeah. He hasn't even tried to, like, save her. Again, I do understand that the Jedi Council, like, you have to abandon all attachments and all that stuff. But still, he w- especially how rebellious he is, how did he not just do it himself at this point? That's... I get it for him not doing it. I think someone else could have thrown this kid a bone. Like, Pad... I know him and Padme haven't seen each other for ten years, which is also still a little weird, but... You know... Yeah. Padme, you were a queen and now senator. You can't leave this one freaking slave go. You know, Padme should be like Hermione Granger with the elf rights, you mm-hmm. know? Like, with oh, yeah. slaves. Also, none of this probably would be even be happening if Padme just had got his mom out of there. Like, Anakin always had darkness in him, but uh, I guess next in the story is that he goes back to Tatooine, yeah. finds out that his mom has been kidnapped uh, yeah. from his future Uncle Owen. Uh, okay, did you see how all the people in Tatooine just did not give a fuck about acting? Like, who's the guy that is Uncle Owen in this? The uh, I don't remember. Joel something? I'll, I'll look him up. I mean, it. Tatooine is the place where... Uh, where Hayden Christensen and Jake Lloyd come from, so it does make sense that everyone's not good at acting there. Uh, I guess. There it is. Oh, Joel Edgerton. Okay, it's oh, Joel Edgerton. <laughs> I didn't realize that Joel Edgerton was <laughs> Owen Lars. I love him. Yeah, so Joel Edgerton's there, and literally the first time he interacts with Anakin, it's just like, oh, hey, I guess I'm your stepbrother. And that's it. Like, yo, have some emotion. And then I totally did not remember that Anakin's mom got remarried and had this other father that was in a wheelchair and everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't come back. No, it never comes back. Where's he in the uh, original trilogy? But whatever. So then um, we'll just get done with Anakin. Yeah, Anakin finds out this mom's been kidnapped. He goes to try and find her. She dies in his arms, just kind of like how his dream said that she would. Uh, And he just annihilates the sand people. Yep. Like, goes to town. And that's kind of your first inclination that he's, uh, 
He's uh, very, very dark. Yep, he's troubled. Uh, and from there on, he decides that he wants to avoid death at all costs. Which, again, very good concept. If it wasn't for the fact that the original trilogy already exists, and he doesn't give a shit about preventing death <laughs> in the original trilogy. Yeah, and then now we cut back to Obi-Wan following behind Jango Fett, and they have a quick little fight. Um, I feel bad for this kid, but the Boba Fett actor kid, oh, man, man, was he bad. He's just, like, me. literally just like, ha, huh, you got him. Yeah, ha. Huh. Again, you know, not the best dialogue to be given, but... He doesn't d- really... He, wow, he is not much of an actor. <laughs> he is Boba Fett, uh, did not do a lot, and then he voices Boba Fett in the Clone Wars mm. TV show. Uh, and then he was in Sharknado 4, The Fourth Awakens, as Captain Fett. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So he's uh, not been doing a lot of acting. No. Nope. But he tried his best. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, that scene happens. Uh, Obi-Wan goes down, follows, um, finds some people, follows them. And over halfway through the movie, we finally get introduced to our bad guy, Count Dooku. Yeah, it really does take that long to yeah. introduce. No, this movie just peters out for a bit. Like, it, literally, this is not at the moment now where it starts getting interesting, but this is, like, probably where it should have started at. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so now, frickin' Dooku, uh, uh, Obi-Wan overhears everything, goes back to try and contact Anakin at Naboo, and finds out he's not at Naboo, but he's at Tatooine. Sends the message to over to Tatooine. And he's like, where, where are you guys? Well, I'll send this message forward. And as he's doing this, another person, another creature sees Obi-Wan doing this distress call. Obi-Wan, can you hide better? He's literally just in the <laughs> middle of an open road. Like, you can't go into, like, a little cave or something. Also, how the Force works in mysterious ways that you can sense so many things, but you can't just sense someone around you who's overhearing your conversation. Whatever. <laughs> so then Anakin gets the signal, sends it off to the other Jedis at Coruscant, and then right as Obi-Wan's finishing up, he gets attacked, and Anakin decides that him and Padme... Actually, Padme decides that him and Anakin... Her and Anakin are going to go to that one planet and help Obi-Wan out. And then the Jedis tell everyone like what's going on, and Jar Jar thinks of the bright idea to give Senator Palpatine... Chancellor Palpatine, sorry. The access to ultimate power? Darth Jar Jar. Darth Jar Jar. Just saying. Darth Jar Jar. Oh, God. So, yeah, that happens. Um, Anakin and Padme go, and they get, you know, do a little quick chase, get captured, and they end up getting clanked next to Obi-Wan in a whole coliseum. They have to fight these weird creatures. And then this is where Mace Windu comes, and he oh, puts, yeah. oh, it ignites his purple lightsaber, and he's just like, I'm gonna fuck some shit up. And yeah, this is right where the, the whole movie gets so much better, just because seeing Jedi's fight is badass. It's, it's a badass. giant battle with so many Jedi. Yeah. That's if 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 that was like the midpoint or like earlier on in the movie, or even you know it could still be the climax, but there's more that happens, like people who who watched the original trilogy have been waiting mm-hmm. for just an army of Jedi to appear and like kick ass that's I, I'm not one for fan service but that would have been amazing like, yeah at least it could have been a lot more amazing yeah and it still was cool 
Mace Windu igniting his... Which, you want to talk about Samuel L. Jackson, or do you want to save that for the special trivia? We Why just, his lightsaber's purple? I will save it for special yeah. trivia. Um, so then, yes, they have this huge fight. It looks like the Jedi are cornered with all these machines, but then the clones come down and save them, and Yoda's there, and he's like, oh, save them. And <laughs> then they have this huge fight outside, and Obi-Wan and Anakin end up, you know, going on their own to fight Count Dooku. They fight and, like, you know, get their ass kicked. Yoda comes in and does his little fight thing, and I don't care what anyone says. He, this was yes, fun. This I was... thought this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we finally got to see Yoda do something cool. Yeah, it's, again, it's a plot hole because, you know, 30-something years later, he's an old man who can't do anything. Well, he's 30 years older. But he was already 700. Like, between <laughs> 700 and 730. <laughs> it's not that much more, but, like... It was so cool to watch it. Like, I am not a, again, not a person that's just, like, fan service. Like, things are cool because they're cool. But that, especially seeing Obi-Wan and then Anakin gets his hand sliced off. Yeah. And, like, get their asses kicked and then Yoda just shows up and flips out. It's awesome. Literally flips it out. Um, yeah, so then Count Dooku runs away. Uh, the clones win the day and they go back and Obi-Wan's just like, oh, wow, like... Oh, I guess also Count Dooku told Obi-Wan when he was in imprisonment that the Sith was controlling the Senate. So is Count Dooku a good guy or a bad guy? What's, what's I mean, his... he's a bad guy. But, like, he's telling Obi-Wan to join him so they could not have the Sith take over. But then he also, Count Dooku says, yeah, I need to report to my master, who is Darth Sidious. I don't know, Count Dooku doesn't really make sense. No. Like, especially, especially when you get to the first part of episode three but we'll get to that at a different time uh, so yeah so anyways uh obi-wan at like asks samuel jackson and um yoda like should we say like acknowledge that the sith might be running the senate and they're like no it's count dooku like f that guy mm-hmm. and then they're like all right the clone wars are starting and we see anakin and padme get married and then it goes title wipe and it says directed by george lucas and we're all like yep yep it was <laughs> And that's Attack of the Clones, everybody. Yep, that so, was something still. So after talking about it, uh, how do you feel even more? Uh, uh, this is a drag. I mean, we had to try and yeah. keep ourselves entertained we by going diverting. on weird diversions. We diverted throughout that whole thing, because, like, man, ooh, this movie's just a slog. Like, it it doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie, honestly. No, it like, really until doesn't. Until later on. It do- until the third act, it does not feel like a Star Wars movie at all. it feels like a generic sci-fi movie yeah also i know we talked about this last time where it was like oh did you know that palpatine was the sith or whatever if you don't know palpatine is darth sidious after this like come on i because he's still in shadow like you're almost like not supposed to know yeah but it's like come on like oh palpatine's like oh once i'm glad i am granted this emergency powers but i will stop him immediately after and then Count Dooku is like, yeah, the Sith is, like, running the Senate. And it's, it is just overall very lazy. Yes. Well, it's lazy in that, like, I don't know if we want to do any fun facts, but, like, in the research, like, George Lucas only wrote this in, like, three months. Really? That well, explains a lot. not, like, in three months. He'd been writing it because he had his, like, you know, nine-episode outline for mm-hmm. what he wanted Star Wars to be. And, you know, he did the first, he did the middle three as the trilogy, and he went back to do the prequels. And this one, so he had the outline, but he was so uh, scared and, like, 
disheartened after what happened after episode one because of the negative press that it got. Uh-huh. He was very... He was uh, reluctant to try and do another Star Wars. So while he... You know, he did a bunch of stuff during pre-production, but they didn't have a complete draft until three months Ooh. before. And then the, he kept rewriting it until, like, the day before production started. So, like, they didn't have a completed draft of the script until just a couple months before filming. Which, for a movie like Star Wars, is not a lot of time. No, like God, for, no. For studio movies, for anybody who doesn't know, like you, you need to have a script in with a good amount of time for pre-production. You can still rewrite things, but you have to know what you're getting into. Especially with Star Wars, there's so much money going into it. Yeah. You can't really, like, dick around with it. You can't, you can't just rush that stuff. I, we'll go into surgery in a second, but this is one thing that Kevin Feige does really well. He's the main guy, main producer in uh, the Marvel MCU films. He plans out everything. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what a lot of people in Hollywood don't do enough. Like, if George Lucas had been like, this is what the story is going to be like, here's the arcs, here's what I want to do, we're going to introduce this in point A and bring it back in, you know, the third film... Because, like, even with the current Star Wars, they're not planning it out. Like, they're sort of just, you know, winging it. Well, they still have, like, you know, George Lucas's, uh, like, treatments and, like, his original things. And they're not, this is the least they're sticking to it of the two, of the three trilogies. Mm -hmm. But they still have those and they're following them somewhat well. Yeah. And, like, but if they're going to, if, even if you're doing a three movie arc, you still have to structure it similarly to the MCU where they kind of structure it more like a TV show. Mm -hmm. Where Mm -hmm. Kevin Feige has the plot layout. But he doesn't plan everything, so he lets the individual directors and writers decide how they're going to structure it. And he's just like, all right, hit these beats, but you can still make them, you know, work for the story. So things like uh, Thor Ragnarok, like, stand on their own and do their own thing, and also just happen to seamlessly flow straight into Avengers Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Like, where it just, uh, where it, it works on its own and it works as a whole. So if that, if that seemed like that's what he was going for, that would be a lot better, but clearly, even with the treatments and outlines, he doesn't know what he wants to do. He's just kind of winging it one movie at a time. Yeah. Also, another thing, um, the planet that Obi-Wan investigates on is a uh, Camino, not... Camino? Uh, Geonosis? Yeah, not Geonosis. Geonosis is somewhere else. Oh, we're gonna strike that Geonosis joke <laughs> for the record, because I forgot. But where is Geonosis? Geonosis is the planet that they have the huge battle on. Oh... That does also make sense, too, though, for the Genesis, you know, yeah. connection, because it's, you know, the birth of the uh, Clone Wars and where they're, you know, supposed to be going anyways. Yeah. So, I'll, okay. I'll allow 40%. Yeah, yeah, nope. Yep. Joke still passes. Cool. No, but Camino, Camino makes sense. That's I knew that. Damn it. Oh, God. No, the Star Wars nerds are going to yeah. be all over us on Twitter. Quickly, before they can hurt us, do you want to just jump into surgery? Yeah, jump into surgery. Ah. All right. All right, so what is there? What's the main thing you want to tackle right now? Uh, it's a thing that I don't typically subscribe to, but I think mm. would be great for this movie. Is you add a lot more action, you take out a lot of this boring, quote unquote, character development. I'm mm-hmm. doing my fingers in the air quotes right now, because it's not good. You're not doing it well. The stuff that is really good in in the prequels is the action stuff, mm-hmm. which. Arguably, is not George Lucas and more his second unit director, but when you when it, when you come to like the battles and like the chase sequences, even when they're like silly, like the chase through the city in the Republic, it's still like fun and frenetic, and like you get a little bit of energy, and then you take the diversion into the bar where it's like, "Don't sell me death sticks." It's like, 
change your life. Those are still fun, even though they're not great. Right. And then you get to the great battles, of, like the Colosseum battle and the Count Dooku fight. And I think if there was some way of putting more, uh, especially in the middle, where there's nothing happening and you could find a way to increase the stakes, because it really doesn't feel like anything. There's so much talking and stuff and you don't see enough like action and like actual propulsion of the story that if you had some kind of energy boost, then there would feel like there was some, some extra stakes. Right. Like, I get the galaxy and the universe are under attack, but just because someone said so, I don't really feel it happening. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think this film does need more Jar Jar, too. Yep, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but honestly, yeah, it is such a slug. Like, what is the biggest action scene that happens in between the opening scene to... I'll say Obi-Wan getting kidnapped. Honestly, it's probably when Obi-Wan run, runs out in the rain and Jango Fett, like, shoots at him. Right. Because, like, you ha- in between that, you also have the flight between Jango and uh, Obi-Wan. But, like, it's such a boring scene, too. Yeah. Like, there's a points where the whole sound, the just, like, it's silent for a moment or two. And Obi-Wan is still super casual, just like, oh, this is so annoying. I hate flying. Because there's no good fights... Honestly, there are no fights until the end. Yeah. And even though there's chase and, you know, stuff happening, it's not... It's not what I want. My sp- It's a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Where are my wars at? You've barely got any stars here. <laughs> Give me my wars. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, there's there are ways of getting around that. Like, the... I don't know, I feel like at least this the new trilogy, the J.J. trilogy, <laughs> is like... Has found a good balance between like, all right, we're gonna do character stuff and some plotting. Oh, here's an action scene. Right. All right, we're gonna do that, and then it you know moves the plot forward, and there's like a lot of energy. So I think there could easily have been like, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but a third assassination attempt on Padme because oh, like God. almost like they had found her, where she was on the planet, uh-huh. uh huh, on Naboo, and then instead of it being Anakin's dreams that uh, or it could still be Anakin's dreams, but like he's like, we gotta get you out of here quick. Let's head to Tatooine. My mother will keep us safe. They won't think to look there, because Tatooine's, you know, a desert planet. Then he goes there, still meets the family, but Padme is with him this whole time, and she can actually physically see him get dark, and, like, see the whole stuff that happens with him. No, I, I have a similar note where I think Padme and Anakin should find, like, love in a hopeless place, where, like, say they're on the commute on that one ship with all the droids and other people, like, eating, just, you know, dishes eating out of dishes, not eating dishes. I mean, they, they're droids. They, who knows what they do? <laughs> um, I want, like, an attack to happen there, mm-hmm. and that's where it's, like, hectic and everything, and they escape, but it's like, oh, we don't know where we're going. Uh, there's no safe systems, and Anakin's like, oh, wait, I know one place, and they go to Tatooine. Yeah. And then that's where they find out, like, hey, yeah, your mom's dying. No, because that... And then we make Padme feel really bad that she hasn't done anything. Yeah, no, that could... That honestly... <laughs> It's not even a joke. That actually would be great to be like, Padme, you could have saved my mom. And like, you know, they have this tension, but they still, you know, love each other. Yeah. So they still find a way to make it work. But again, that that just shows that there's, you know, problems in their relationship and that there is darkness within Anakin, which adds a adds an action sequence and adds more stakes and tension. Mm-hmm. And maybe he does something slowly to go into the dark side, too, again. I mean, like, last time I know we talked about Anakin trying to, like, destroy one of uh, the pod racers to mm-hmm. show, like, to win. I still want him to do something where we he does something a little underhanded. Yeah. Something more, like, nefariously uh, 
dark side, not just like murder sand people. Yeah. Do do we want the last final battle to happen on Tatooine too instead of Genosis? Like, oh. does that connect it at better, or is that too convenient that everything is happening happening at Tatooine? I think that I think if we did switch it there, then it would be too convenient for Obi Wan to just happen to get kidnapped on Tatooine, and then the whole rest of the fight takes place there. Because I think it could be fun seeing Jabba in this uh, Coliseum or something. <laughs> I guess that is sort of like the member berries in a certain way, yeah. but I wanted to talk that out because I feel like it could be... I think it could. I think the fight could have been not been on Geonosis, though. It could have been on a different style planet because it is kind of like sandy and deserty, a little bit like Tatooine. Mm-hmm. So like they could have put it on, you know... A uh, you know a forest planet or even like like a waterfall planet like there's like Ooh. interesting like places to hide and that would also make the final fight with Count Dooku a lot more interesting if there's you know maybe there's a waterfall they jump into and like jump out of or you know it's a forest so they have to like jump they're in the trees and like almost like ninja fighting mm-hmm. some something something like that something to make it more dynamic. What do you think? Another spitballing thing. What if we find out that the Sith have taken. Anakin's mom and are like oh. torturing them and like say this is the Count Dooku like we have him here and he's the one you know just the idea of another apprentice not just Count Dooku but he or she is like torturing Anakin's mom and then that's like at the point where Anakin goes bad because he's like feeling like you've been hurting my mom you killed her blah blah and like he kill he slices down that apprentice and, like, there's the hate, and I then... Don't, I don't know, because then I would feel weird about him joining the Sith later, though. Because the Sith have to be the ones that offer him this opportunity of, because, uh, you know, episode three, spoilers, the reason he joins <laughs> this, the reason he f- officially joins the Sith is so that he can figure out a way to save Padme. Right. He keeps having these visions of the future where uh, she's in pain or he's, you know, some bad things are happening, so he's nervous and trying to force... Hey, force... <laughs> he, like force himself to learn these skills and to try and protect her and do the right thing but if the Sith are the ones that are torturing his mom and trying to kill her I feel like he might not be willing to uh, to to join them yeah now if it was if it was if honestly there was like the Jedi that said no we have your mom but you're not allowed to see her anymore and then she just like you know she actually is in the Republic somewhere but he doesn't get to see her and then he finds out where she is but she's already dead at that point I think then he would have more he wouldn't have a reason to go kill all the Jedi right now uh-huh. but he would have an under underlying mm-hmm. hatred for them right what if Jango kills his mom at Coruscant does that does that fill the void of Sith that kills and that's why Anakin gets more mad about it possibly I think if we're gonna try and find a middle ground I think Jango's probably a good choice because you know she get caught in the crossfire because he's just a bounty hunter he's just trying to do the the, what he's trying to do. Right. Uh, and then that would also be helpful because then, you know, Chancellor Palpatine, when it's revealed that he's actually the Emperor, it's like, I'm sorry, but Jango Fett was only supposed to do these certain things. Please accept my humblest apologies and I will teach you the ways. Like, if he's finds a way to apologize for it and then it makes Anakin think, oh no, that he understands his mistake. Like, that would actually be a, lot, a powerful way of getting Anakin on his side. Yeah. There's an interesting idea. We def- like we talked about that in Phantom Menace too, of like Darth Maul killing the mom, and mm-hmm. I, we definitely are coming back to the mom. But I, it is just this like huge point 
for Anakin's story because that is like the first time we are really seeing him, you know, do something truly evil of just not killing the Tuscan men, but also the women and children, which is like, you know, Padme, that's a red flag. It's dark stuff, man. I mean, for her, that's just, you know, she's trying to comfort him and make sure everything's okay because if they did end up doing it where Padme was on tattooing with him where he kills, or at least she's with him whenever he, for whatever slaughter he goes on, uh-huh. and she's the one who calms him down, like she, you know, then you're you're bonded for life at that point, which would make a lot more sense why they'd be together. Mm-hmm. Is because she, I think in the heat of the emotion, they wouldn't realize that this is such a bad thing, mm-hmm. and then it would make a lot more sense that they're together rather than these very fake, dumb romantic scenes on Naboo. No, I agree. Another thing, I want to talk back to the opening scene. I think it's interesting how we open up with a ship getting attacked and everything, like exploding. Mm-hmm. But what I really want to see is I want to see Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan really, like, be bros or something. Mm-hmm. I want to see them in the middle of a fight or something, like, finishing up a task and then, like, being called to end up protecting Padme. And, like, right when he said, like, Obi-Wan tells Anakin, like, oh, we need to protect ha- Padme, like, Anakin's eyes light up a bit. They sort of do this in the third one where it's, like, the op- they're falling in yeah. to save Palpatine. It's, I think that's the right thing to do because it's like a little more engaging and they're being snarky to each other and they're quipping a bit. And quipping uh, a bit. We got we well, to get those quips in, man. I mean, there's a reason why most people like Revenge of the Sith the most out of the prequels. Yeah. I think that's part of it is because part of what made episode one not as good is the master-Padawan relationship was not well-defined even though they're supposed to be such caring people for each other. Mm-hmm. I think this movie would have benefited a lot more if, yeah, we did start in the middle of... Just not even not even like an important mission. Just some some mission where Anakin and Obi Wan can like, you know, pal around a little bit. Show show their master and Padawan, and like maybe even Obi Wan could save his life and be like, "You've still got a lot to learn, young Padawan." Or yep. whatever stuff we've got going on. Just the this movie puts such a puts such a premium on character relationships, and doesn't actually pull through on making them good. Yep. No, I agree. It is just half-baked. Like, they just... Also, Anakin and Obi-Wan barely spend any time with each other. They have the one opening stuff with Padme, the chase scene, then they separate, the fight scene, like, in the Coliseum, and then Count Dooku, and that's it. Well, yeah, because it really is the only time that they spend together is in episode three, which, you know, there's a big moment between the two of them towards the end of that. which (laughs) would make Which would make so much more... Which would be, mean so much more if they actually like bonded in this one. Similarly to how if Obi Wan and Qui Gon had bonded in Episode One, mm-hmm. then the death there would have been more meaningful. No, it just doesn't make sense that they wouldn't try and if they're gonna push that relationship that they wouldn't make the relationship matter more. Yeah, because it is like the key relationship in the prequels, and we talk about this in the first one too, where Obi Wan and Anakin don't have any FaceTime together until nope. like the, literally the last scene or two yeah they really I didn't even realize how much they whiffed on this until now because the the only reason you know these things are important is because they say they're important Mm -hmm. they say I care about you or they say like you know be careful young Padawan I I understand what's best for you or something but they they don't show it Uh. and uh, yeah similar problems with George Lucas and most of his things yeah where's my where's my Tycoop Where's my character development? Uh, I wish these characters spent a little bit more time together, but I had to put Jar Jar in a senator speech. He had to give a big speech how Palpatine should uh, 
should really get control of the clone army. <laughs> Motherfucker, Jar Jar, what the fuck, man? That that is so originally, you know, Jar Jar was supposed to be a bigger part in the series. What would Jar Jar do in this movie right now? If we added more of him, oh, if he was more in the like, if he was actually an integral part. Yes. What oh, What he, do you want Jar Jar to do? He, mm, I bet he would have gone back to Naboo with uh, Padme uh-huh. and kind of had like the illicit, like been the illicit secret with Padme and Anakin, uh-huh. and like he would have seen all that was happening. Is like, oh no, Yusa need to knock that stuff off, and he's kind. <laughs> He almost becomes the voice of reason at that point. Oh, God. When your voice of reason is Jar Jar. Oh. I'm just, I, I mean, I don't know no, what else he no, would do. No, no, I mean, like, honestly, same. Unless we make the storyline of uh, the emergency powers bigger. Cause yeah, is... cause, well, that would be an interesting story, though, too, if, pa- if we see, you know, Jar Jar's now like, all right, Misa Senator, and we see him being like, he should, he should, this guy who we just put in power a while ago should have a big army and then you see the repercussions especially in episode 3 of what happens when he does something <laughs> like that that honestly could be pretty good right but how much time do we want to spend with but Jar-Jar? if it wasn't Jar Jar if it, if it was if it was like if Jar Jar was made better then yeah that'd be great mm-hmm. this silly ridiculous guy who's been slapstick falling everywhere is now like in charge of all this stuff because they give Jar Jar a few episodes in the Clone Wars TV show oh really yeah Jar Jar I mean he's not like an integral part but he gets a few. Uh, he gets a few arcs. Hmm. Good. Good for Jar Jar. Do yeah, you know what those Jar-Jar. arcs are by any chance? I forget what it is. It's him. He and Padme are on their way to some either some vote or some event, and they're they're like a convoy gets attacked, and uh, Commander Rex and the whole like, clone mm. army are all there, and they they have to figure something out. I don't remember specifically, but I do remember that Jar Jar is at least in the first season or two. Jar Jar is the main character of at least two episodes. You know, he's moving on up in the world. Moving on up. Another thing I sort of want to discuss, Django Fett. Mm-hmm. How do we make his, like, death more cool, intense, like, heartbreaking? Because he just gets his ass kicked by Mace Windu. Like, he kills mm-hmm. one Jedi, and then he goes down, and then Mace Windu just blocks a bolt or two and beheads him. We don't. Yeah? I say we see less Django Fett. I think we do the same thing with Jango Fett that we do with Boba Fett. Okay. And we keep him in the mask the whole time. I'm Jango Fett is not seen, like, fully, and we just get this, you know, mostly silent performance. I, I think Boba got a few words in the mm-hmm. trilogy. Give Jango just a few words. But we still see Boba Fett. We still see young Boba Fett. And we see, can still see that Jango Fett is, like, trying to, you know, be a father to him. And even behind the mask, you get this, like, very soft pat on the shoulder and, like just making sure things are okay. And when Mace Windu just, like, destroys him, like, even I would say even destroy him more. Okay. And this just silent type just gets cut down, and then Boba Fett walks onto the battlefield and just, like, in his sad, tiny state, like, holds, you know, his father's decapitated head. And that's when hands. the head pops out, and that's where we see his eyes for the first time. Exactly. Right? No. Uh, no. <laughs> Because we never actually see any, besides in the Clone Wars TV show, we never actually see the clones' faces. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we don't need to see, it's it's even scarier to be like, who is under, we don't know who's underneath this mask, we just know that this is who it is. Yeah. So I think if Boba Fett, just like, this tiny boy is looking at his, you know, father that essentially none of us ever got to see the face of, he's mourning the loss of what could have been and then gets to be Boba Fett and we don't have to make a big deal out of it. 
I think the less we make a big deal out of Jango Fett, the less of a disappointment it is that Boba Fett's not as big of a deal in the prequels. Okay, I'm no, I like that. I can I can fuck with that. Because imagine that. that all the people from that early internet that were like, oh boy, I can't wait for Boba to come back in Episode Three and kick some ass. No, no, that was it. Oh my that god, yeah, thing. same. Oh my god, I was ready for him to kill Mace Windu in a heartbeat. I was like, all right, they were gonna see some cool shit. And yeah, no. he doesn't come back. No, he's he's only there to be an Easter egg for people. Not even an Easter egg. It's an almost obvious Easter egg. It's like a just glorified a cameo. Yeah, it's just just best. a reference to be like, hey, here's how Boba Fett became Boba Fett, even though no one asked for it. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think... I think that thing is just... They squandered their time trying to make Jango Fett quote-unquote cool. Mm-hmm. So if they made him cool by giving him less screen time and making him more mysterious, that makes Boba Fett... You give him a backstory that's like, my dad died, but like he wore this cool outfit like as a with a jetpack and stuff. That's all you need. You don't need to do any half measures. That's a half measure. Uh, okay, I like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I don't know. I don't have too much. They just you kind of just need to overhaul the whole movie and just make it more exciting. Yeah. No. I mean, the stuff we talked about, I think, they're good. Um, definitely don't have as much to say on this one as we did on Phantom Menace. But I think that's also just because there's more that happens in Phantom Menace. Like this mm-hmm. one, it is a lot of people like talking and standing. Talking and sitting, talking and flying, and mm-hmm. it, it it was hard to recap just because it, the little scenes are even worse in this than they are in Phantom Menace. The weird thing is just though that this movie got better reviews when it first came out than Phantom Menace did, and it's very clearly worse. Like I don't, it's so much obviously worse, but I don't, I don't, I think people were just so excited that it wasn't the Phantom Menace that mm-hmm. they kind of overlooked the idea that it was. Uh, not as good. I mean, like, the the reviews I mentioned earlier, like, Roger Ebert and Leonard Maltin both gave Phantom Menace actually a positive review and then turned around and gave Attack of the Clones a negative review. I think that was kind of the precursor to be like, no, guys, this movie's not actually that good. They were kind of the ones who saw it. Mm-hmm. Everyone else was like, at least it's not Phantom Menace. Yeah. I mean, I think this ending is probably a bit stronger than Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. just because, like, Phantom Menace ending, you know, the battle, the lightsaber scenes between between Qui-Gon, Darth Maul, and Obi-Wan are really cool, but, like, you have Anakin, the five-year-old, destroying the discount Death Star, yeah. and that's, like, that would never... It gets people, like, riled up whenever, like, little kids can, like, do big adult yeah. things. Where this one, it's like, wow, we finally got to see the Jedi kick ass, we saw Yoda kick ass, like, yeah. we saw Anakin's hand get cut off, and I think it just... I think people left the theater more, like, happy with it all. No, yeah, I think that's exactly what it is, that they all... The, despite the movie having a, a horrible first two thirds, they kicked ass in that last third, and I think that might have uh, blinded some people yep. to what was going on. They're like, "Oh no, this was so cool and exciting," and then I feel I would want to challenge those people back in two thousand two to think about what happened in that first like hour and a half, hour and forty five minutes before that last half hour. Mm-hmm. Nope, I completely agree. Also, Count Dooku doesn't get introduced till nope. over halfway through the film, and then Count Dooku's made to, out to be this important figure in the whole grand scheme of the Sith. Spoilers for episode three. He's not. Nope. Because he's also supposed to be this really cool Jedi that, like, beat up, beat two other Jedi, or former Jedi, this, that beat up these two other Jedi, and is able to end the fight with Yoda in a draw. Yoda's the best Jedi there's ever been. Yeah. And, and he, he ends it in a tie. And he was Yoda's apprentice at one point. Like. Yeah. It's, I feel like there should have been more with him. Mm-hmm. And we can get to that in the next movie. How would you want to introduce Count Dooku earlier? 
Oh, introduced him so much earlier that he either either Obi Wan and Anakin are actually chasing him because he's just defected from the Jedi. Like, like he just finally got caught about being a Sith. Yeah, he either he got just got found out or he was like you know stealing something from the Sith or stealing something from the yeah. Jedi. Either possible like possibly the map to the clones because you know someone some dead Jedi earlier had said something and then they then they were trying to find out where this place was and then that's what kind of leads Obi Wan on his journey is like. Did we have a copy of this? And then he's like able to you know, use old, the steampunk technology or whatever they have. <laughs> it's a weird combination between future technology and steampunk technology. Classic. Uh, to figure it out. Because, yeah, I think Count Dooku needs to be introduced sooner and to be so much more of a threat mm-hmm. to make him, you know, f- beat three Jedi at the very end of the movie. And mm-hmm. if you're going to subvert expectations, have him get killed at the beginning of episode three, to be like, oh, he's not going to be the villain in this movie? Like, that would be amazing. You have to build him up to be such a better villain. Yeah, no, we do need our Darth Vader of this, you know, prequel trilogy. Because mm-hmm. Vader is, like, such the presence in the first ones. And, like, you, every time he's on screen, you're just, like, seeing what he's going to do next. Where this one, it's just like, all right, this, this episode we have Darth Maul. Yep. This episode we have Count Dooku. And the next one we're going to have Vader. But oh, no, they have three of them. Darth Maul, Count Dooku, and General Grievous. Oh, okay. Like, you get your three discount Darth Vader. You get episodic Darth Vaders. Yeah. Whereas, for the other movie, they had the the guy in the behind the scenes, the Emperor, and you had your FaceTime villain, Darth Vader. And then you had, you know, a couple other people sprinkled throughout, like General Tarkin, mm-hmm. and the first in New Hope, and uh, just other things like that. So I feel like they, they had the idea, but again, they thought, oh, let's get more Vaders. And they thought they'd get even better Vader with having General Grievous in the third movie, which we can talk about next time, yeah. how successful that was. Overall, yeah. this is a bad movie. Yep, no, this one, um, uh, I feel sort of bad if this is someone's first time ever listening to us, because we, uh, we were a bit all over the place, but <laughs> I... hammered that one. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about some fun facts about this movie, Yeah. I yeah, want to yeah, talk yeah. about Mace Windu's lightsaber. All right, let's talk about Mace Windu's lightsaber. Because Samuel L. Jackson, they, they filmed the whole movie. Like, they do everything, you know, the fight sequence happens, and in post-production, while they're about to start that fight sequence, Samuel L. Jackson calls up George Lucas and is like, hey, my lightsaber needs to be purple. <laughs> And he's George Lucas, or, you know, VFX supervisor, whoever's in charge. It's like, um, why, why do you want to have a purple lightsaber? Because Samuel Jackson then goes, because I want my kids to see me in the battle no matter what part, like, I'm in. Like, he, Mace Windu, he wanted Mace Windu to be, like, the guy. Like, to be seen and everything, to be known. And so VFX people had to very specifically figure out which shot Samuel Jackson was in and animate that purple lightsaber, even if he's in the background of the shot figure out the whole geography of that and basically because of that that's how the idea of different colored lightsabers got introduced into the world because it was just blue and green at that point so it was uh that kind of thing where they they had the different color kyber crystals damn i didn't realize it went into that much detail but that's funny yeah because that's that's uh because yeah because he can do that because samuel jackson despite being like seventh build or whatever is like a, a big deal. Yeah, uh, this is how actually I was introduced to Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, like, I think that's most kids getting introduced to him is through uh, either this or Incredibles. Yeah, but he's like you know you actually yeah, see, you see him, him in him this. Here. No, it was a good 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 career move. You know, I'm sure he read the script and was like, oh man, but my kids are gonna love it. Yes, no, that that was the best thing, for, especially yeah, probably after the first one where he's like, I didn't really get to do anything in this movie. George Lucas is like, don't worry. Uh, 
we've got, uh, Tori Sam, we've got a lot for you to do. Uh, yeah, it's, it'll, it'll, it'll get better, don't worry. <laughs> and he does, he gets better in the second one. <laughs> if anybody got, got, everyone got did dirty in this movie, except for Mace Windu. Yep. Mace Windu is the only person that, who got treated right in this movie. No, I, I agree. I agree on that. Uh, but yeah, also, this, you know, the script got written three months before they started production. Uh, and yeah, that's definitely, it. to me, it shows that there's rushed stuff and not a lot of time taken to make this movie actually that good. Yeah, no, I, uh, it shows, it definitely shows. Um, I don't have too many other fun facts. Uh, Mace Windu is my big one, because, like, <laughs> Samuel Jackson's the boss. I agree. I don't have any fun facts. This movie's not fun. No. Nope. There are no fun facts for this. Nope. This is, a. Uh, this is not fun. Not fun. But, uh, yeah, anyway, this movie's at the bottom of my list. Uh, I'll just give that spoiler now. It's, a uh, you know, second to the <laughs> bottom of my list. <laughs> all right. I hope you all had a good time today. Yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, we're going to wrap it up now, I guess. So uh, please, you know, if you have the time, please give us a like, a follow on Instagram and Facebook. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, and we are on Spotify now. So All if you right. want to follow us on Spotify, you can do that. Yeah. Uh, so you, try to write a review on iTunes if you if you got a minute. Just like even if it's just one word, two words, to say great job, guys, or like, hey, you need more Jar Jar in your podcasts. Or like, what did you can ask us questions too? Like, hey, yeah. did uh, did George ever get his coke? Uh, we'll be up, we'll be happy to answer those questions, and hopefully we'll get George in here to answer them too. Yeah. Uh, give us that five stars because we're. We like affirmation. Yes, please. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, it is a DR Script Podcast, just Dr. Script Podcast. Ah, yeah, uh, thanks for staying with us for this long. Uh, we will be back next week with Revenge of the Sith. Ooh. Ooh. And, um, yeah. You'll have the, the, reven- the revenge of the revenge of my review of this, the revenge of the... Let's end this now. Woo! All right, we're going to end this on... Um, oh, my God, I need to really start writing down jokes. It's okay. I think that people really like this behind-the-scenes uh, uh, trying to riff and realize how much improv we've got. Well, honestly, we're just two guys sitting and talking, so... Yep. Just we guys. did it better than... The, I don't know. Oh, God. Just You're two just guys sitting it. and talking. I mean, my Panda Express. Having a great time, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. See you guys. Bye.